everyone, it's your favorite black non-binary cinephile. Welcome to... I know on the last episode I said I will be reviewing films of every genre and I would like to add for reasons that may be obvious, I will not be discussing biopics. Today's episode is about Juice, which was released in 1992 and directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Unlike Rent, this will be my first time watching this movie and I'm going in with a fresh and open mind. I contemplated putting a spoiler warning at the beginning, but this film came out in 1992. Y'all don't need a spoiler warning. I will provide a trigger warning because there will be mentions of sexual assault and police brutality. If those things are triggering to you, feel free to pause the episode right now and go listen to my other one. Now on to the movie. First, I will begin with the plot of the film. Like Rent, this movie takes place in New York. Like Rent, this movie follows four young black boys living in Harlem during the 90s. The credit opens with a shot of Omar Epp and a record player which clues us to the importance of music in the film. The actual film begins with Quincy, Omar Epp's character, being wakened by his mom for school. So first, we understand that this is someone who doesn't care much about school, which is valid. Tupac's character, Bishop, first words are greeting his grandmother in the morning, which shows he has a bad or non-existent relationship with his parents. Raheem, who was played by Khalil Kane, first scene in the movie is trying to get his sister to pay him to let her into the bathroom. She ends up getting to the bathroom anyway without paying him, which shows he is someone that is gullible and not as Still, it's the only character shown with both parents and a sibling, so you can see from that he may be the most well-rounded social. For some people, the climax of the movie is the most important. I would say the climax of this film is when Bishop is being threatened by those gang members. He sees his friends coming, but unlike at the beginning of the film, they don't come to his rescue. It's not a very dramatic climax, but climaxes don't have to be. I think it was a good way to show how the rest of the film is going to go. It is just less chaotic than other scenes. Do I think it's a good climax? Yes, because it shows Bishop is now on the outside of the friend group and they no longer see him someone they can help. It's a drama fulfilling. It's something I always ask myself when I watch movies like this or movies in general. But it's a tricky question to answer in this particular movie. The drama is more than a fractured friendship. It's about the individual impact of our overarching institution, the system. I would have liked to see more Bishop get into that place when he's comfortable with killing his friends. Fighting is one thing, but killing is a whole nother level. I do like Bishop's quasi monologue in the hallway because I found his character most intriguing. And it was a nice insight to what's going on with him. His character reminds me of the James Baldwin quote. The most dangerous creation of any society is a man who has nothing to lose. Ultimately, this is Q's story and things are told from his perspective mostly. Within the ensemble film, the dynamic of the characters has to be captivating. And I do think the dynamic between the four boys is portrayed well. As I mentioned before, at the beginning of the movie, Bishop is in a standoff with a couple of gang members, six maybe. He's quiet when they're talking to him in his face. But then he sees his friends and he starts talking back. He gets louder and bolder because he knows that they're going to have his back. So I do think the 
friendship will show well in that way. And we see them hanging out at each other's houses. We get them teasing each other and just doing what friends do. As for the chemistry, I didn't really feel it between all of them. Each actor is good in their individual roles, so it's easy to overlook. But when you put them all together, I don't feel that they mesh together so well. But again, they're good in their individual roles. Now, there were two endings shot for this movie. I will talk about the official ending for the movie and the original ending. The original ending is where I will be discussing sexual assault. Again, this is your warning. Click out now. The movie ends with Bishop and Q fighting on the rooftop. Perhaps a parallel to their escaping police officers chasing them at an earlier point in the film, which they jump from one roof to another at the same time. Bishop falls off the roof, but Q grabs his arm before he can fall to his death. Q tells Bishop he can't hold on before he loses his grip completely and his friend. You can make your own interpretation, but here's mine. Quincy can't hold on to Bishop without being dragged down himself. He can't hold on to the things that Bishop refuses to let go of, and maybe just doesn't know how to let go of. A group of people follow them from the party they crash into onto the roof. One person from the group tells Quincy that he has the juice now, and you can tell by his face he's not pleased by that remark. The original ending ends with Bishop choosing to fall. As Quincy is holding him, you can hear police sirens in the background. And Bishop knows if he's caught, he's going to be taken to jail. Now, it's been stated earlier in the film that Bishop's father has been to prison where he was sexually assaulted multiple times. And Bishop knows what will happen to him if he's taken to prison. Decides to stop holding on and lets himself fall. He's not oblivious to the treatment of inmates at prisons. And he chooses going out his own way rather than being tortured inside. I prefer the original ending because it once again highlights Bishop as a character. It reinforces who he is and what his mentality is. My final rating of the movie is 4.5 out of 5 stars. The movie is not without its flaws, which I will discuss later, but it has a clear idea of what it is and it sticks to it. If a movie should be one thing, it should be concise. I recently watched Black Adam, hated it, and I don't think that movie knew what kind of movie it wanted to be. So it was all over the place. This one is clear, it's to the point, and it doesn't try to be something it's not. And here comes my favorite part. Well, I rank the characters. I already said this. Bishop is the character I found most intriguing partially due to Tupac Shakur's great performance. May he rest in peace. I think coming from a similar background, he's the one I relate to the most. I get what it's like to feel helpless and want to fight back, even if he goes about it in a way that's not very healthy or helpful to anyone. I'm also just a petty bitch, and the thought of killing someone, then going to their funeral, and hugging their grieving mother is a type of cold-blooded I have never seen before. And it made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. I had to give him a hand for that. Because, you know, that's just something I've never seen before. Quincy, Q, whichever you want to go refer to him by, 
out of the four. Well, he has the most personality out of the remaining three, is what I meant to say. I like his dedication to his music and his passion, and I like that he's just trying to survive like everyone else. My third favorite character is Raheem. There's something earnest about him that I really like. Um, he doesn't make it that far into the film, and he doesn't do much before his demise, which is why I rank him where I did. Steel also doesn't do much. If we knew more about his issues, I feel a lot more for his character. He feels like the most innocent out of the group, and honestly, expect him to die first, if I'm being honest. But I guess it's not always the ones you expect. Uh, most of his characters kind of just reacting to stuff and not really stuff happening to him or him making stuff happen. So that is where I rate him. Honorable mention to Samuel Samuel L. Jackson. I gotta shout him out. And shout out to Queen Latifah too. Who I didn't know was in this movie, but I was happy to see her. As I said before, music is an important part of this movie. Unlike with Prince, I won't be ranking the soundtrack based on how well I like the songs. Instead, I will be doing it based on how well the songs went with the scene it was attached to. I have chosen five particular scenes and will be ranking them from favorite to least favorite based on the song or the score. The number one spot goes to the scene at Quincy's DJ competition. It's one of the first moments where he's in the spotlight and it's just about him and not his relationship with others. Number two goes to the scene where Quincy unknowingly walks past Steel while he's beating out on the ground. Like I said before, this movie has an amazing score and it was just a well-directed scene. Number three goes to So You Want to Be a Gangster by Too Short. During the scene where Bishop is being harassed by the gang. Because it just highlights his character arc. Number four goes to the song playing during the elevator confrontation between between Q and Bishop. As I mentioned before, Bishop is kind of heartless. Quincy is running from him and he goes to an elevator full of people thinking that Bishop isn't going to shoot him. And he, he says, you ain't gonna, you're going to shoot me in front of all these people? And Bishop takes out his gun and <laughs> tries to shoot him. And the song that plays with that scene is How Could I Kill a Man by Cypress Hill. And I really like the lyrics of it. Particularly, here's something you just can't understand. How it could just kill a man. Because I think that further emphasizes the differences between Quincy and Bishop. One is a killer and one is it. And number five goes to the score that plays when the friends are running out of, out of the corner store after Bishop shoots the man working there. There's a loop sound in the background that sounds like an alarm 
And I think it works really well for this scene. Let's get into the representation. Uh, I do have issues with the way black women outside of the mothers are portrayed in the movie. We have the dark-skinned baby mama. She doesn't really do much. There's, there's her first argument with Raheem outside his building where she leaves. There's another scene where he sees her getting into a car with another man. And then there's a third scene where she's at his funeral. But other than that, we don't know much about her. Um, there's the girl who works at the regular store. Her overbite is but of the joke. She flirted with as a distraction while the quartet steals vinyl records. And we never see her again. The movie shows a realistic portrayal of young black teenagers living in the quote unquote hood. But I think it could have been better with its depiction of black women. Like Rent, this movie tackles issues of poverty, but in a different way. It takes place in Harlem, as I said before. The overwhelming presence of police is a conflict in the movie. The character's first big argument comes after a man they know is shot dead after he tries robbing a bar. Particular scene I like that isn't really significant is the scene where they're at the basketball court and they're greeting people and I love that sense of community and the neighborhood. Do I recommend this film? Yes. If you are a fan of Boys in the Hood and Minnesota Society, if you haven't seen this yet, go on and watch it. And if you decide to watch this movie after listening to my podcast, look more into Ernest R. Dickerson's work. He directed Demon Knight featuring Jada's Pinkett Smith and CCH Pounder and Bones featuring Snoop Dogg. I don't know when I will have my next episode posted, but it will be about Knives Out, Glass Onion. So be on the lookout for that. I created a Twitter account for my podcast. You can find me at F-H-T-F-T Podcast. If you have any specific thoughts on the movie I've watched that you'd like to share, or if you have an idea for a movie I should review next, slide into my DMs. Bye.